Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. What's going on, everybody? This is going to be fun because we have someone that's been around the block in medical marketing for quite a few years. Well, Andrew, won't say how long, so you can say that for us, but from senior to DSOs and lots of DSO experience, this is gonna be cool. I love the DSO space because it's so consumer driven, low acuity, very retail. It's, it's the closest thing to a purchasing decision to online or retail that we can find. And so I find that those marketers, my DSO marketers, some of the sharpest out there. Everybody welcome, Cindy. Cindy, what's up? How you doing? Hey, Alex, thanks for having me. Great, thanks great to join you. Yeah, we're going to have fun. And Cindy is nice and warm down in Melbourne, Florida, and I'm in Atlanta and I'm wearing a hat. I look like a five-year-old wearing a t-shirt because I like to go on walks while I talk. We're not going to do that, but everybody's hot. This is August. I'm not supposed to date the podcast, but it's okay. She can see the ocean from her from her uh, house, from her room, so don't feel bad for it. Cindy, how, how do we get from selling shoes online to senior to DSO. Did you love the scene? Was it senior living, senior care, hospice? What was golden? It was all of those. So there were okay. uh, about 245 nursing homes across the United States. We had a hospice division. Um, we had assisted living. We had rehabilitation therapy to get folks well if they had a fall or a heart attack or all those other things. So it was a nice coordinated care environment. So, you know, something bad happened, put somebody in the hospital. They're not well enough to go home. They go to a, a nursing care and then we figure out how to get them better and get them back home. Yeah. The whole continuum. So that's, yeah. cool. that's a good feeling too. You can take, you can take mama all the way through whatever care. And then yeah. you ended up in dental, you have a higher ed stint. Nobody knows this about Carnot, but 20% of our revenue is actually higher ed. Anyways, uh, going to that. yeah, 80% is still healthcare, but we love higher ed, but dental. Okay. Fashion about DSO scaling out DSOs then I assume because you've been in there for a while. I, yeah, a little bit. It, you know, the space is interesting. I think that it's growing and DSO and consolidation is happening simply yeah. because there's a lot of competition. If I were a single practice and a doctor, I'd be throwing up my hands to say, how am I going to do this? Who am I going to hire? How am I going to do this, this business? So the economies of scale of having your back end, your marketing, your, your IT, your HR all makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what we're seeing in the marketplace. And you've seen it as well, Alex. A lot of those single practices are matriculating with a particular uh, DSO because it lets them focus on taking care of the patient and leaving the back end stuff, the stuff they might not love so much. To folks who've yeah. got those skill sets. Well, I want to become part of a TSO. I hate that back end stuff. So yeah, I totally understand why they're doing it. So you would say overall, DSOs have contributed positively to dental care over the last decade. You've seen it be very positive, allows the dentist to focus on care and not on the business. So that has been probably a very positive thing you would say. DSOs get a bad rap. So I think that's fair. I think that's No, I think it's a good thing. And I think the other thing to consider is look at the patient satisfaction scores. We've seen after we've onboarded a new practice and a new doctor, most of the time those scores go up. So I think the patient experience improves with the DSO or it certainly isn't hurt from being a standalone practice. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and as a marketer, that's one of the key things that we focus on. You know, if you're not taking care of reputation management, you're not helping your DSO. You yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about value propositions there. So you've been at Dental Partners and Pure Dental, and I know we're embarking on something fun, but Dental Partners, 50 plus locations, Pure Dental, 43. So you've, so you've worked on some pretty scaled out ones. As part of the value prop in the market you make, hey, listen, well, were they House of Brands? Let me ask that question for you. Was Pure Dental House of Brands? Was it still like Dr. John here in Brookhaven, Georgia, or was it all Pure Dental branded? I'm not familiar with them. I've been on both sides of it. So Dental Partners was a single standing brand. So yeah. um, when the practices were purchased, they were all changed to Dental Partners and then I had a location extension to the name for the qualifier. Pure Dental Brands was a house of brands. So when you get to a house of brands, it's a little bit harder from a marketing perspective, but the, the upside is the doctor doesn't lose the equity that they've built in the marketplace. So it, it just means, I think as a marketer, you've got a little bit more work to do. You've got different logos and color stories to integrate. You also have to be sensitive if there's sort of a specific voice or a style guide for a particular practice. You try and be sensitive to that when you're dealing with the house of brands. How do you do that at scale? Like every provider has their own thing. Do you temp retemplating a lot to like a similar look and feel, but they got to change their, keep their name and change their colors? Or did you just say, that's fine, we'll work with what you've got? Like, how do you do that at scale being compassionate towards 40 different providers? For a website, my personal opinion is having a template helps because then it's a, for the consumer, it's a more consistent experience. They know where to look for navigational elements. If you then deploy a color story that aligns with the logo and the name, that tends to work. And then for content that you produce, we didn't vary the voice tremendously. You know, my playbook for marketing is that, you know, it's our goal to educate, inform, or entertain. So, not everybody loves going to the dentist. So I tend to draw on humor a little bit to soften it, the experience or get them smiling or laughing along with me before I hit them over the head with all the must do, can do, you know, your, your mouth is going to, uh, your your teeth are going to fall out if you don't take care of your perio issues, that sort of thing. So yeah, get them, la get them laughing first. So you found humor as part of your playbook. So what are all the components of your playbook? Like, uh, sounds like brand positioning is in there, DeNovo, like, do you get into tactics or is it just like positioning, that brand positioning of how you're going to attack it? What's in your playbook? How do you do it? How do you scale this out? The brand and the positioning, but then yeah. it's, it's also getting some of the components the technical components, you've got to have uh, your site and your, your content uh, optimized for search engines. And that to me, I think is the hardest part in a marketing playbook today. The algorithms change. Nobody has a magic bullet. I don't think we're ever, no one's ever going to get a magic bullet. So, you know, I think the main thing is with digital, you can't set it and forget it. Even if you think you've figured something out, it's going to work for a week or maybe a month, yeah, and yeah. then and then you, you need to to evaluate yeah. where's the trend, what's happening, and what else do you need to add to it. Yeah. So for some of the the DSOs that I've stepped into, the the key things to do right away were figure out what changes need to be made for the website, do some SEO work. But then it was really getting specific in, and focusing on reputation management, paid search so that you're bringing in a steady stream of new patients to help offset any attrition that's happening with the patient base, listings and photos and video to, to help augment the SEO efforts. And that in and of itself sometimes is a lot of work, especially when you've got to roll it out to 40, 50 practices yeah. to get all those, those things done. Yeah, you got to get good tools 
tools. We'll talk about the tools. Educate, inform, or entertain starts there, pre-end positioning, and then look at the bottom funnel, SEO, PPC, reputation management. I love that you said you can't sit and forget it. We just signed today an SEO project to audit foresight and then make changes. And I'm like, guys, and then what? And we're going to make the change and then what? They'll rent forever? Like, so Cindy, thank you for preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, you can't sit and forget it. And I think the, even the paid media landscape changes so much. With dental, you can now run LSAs, which are the picture ads that have been present in home services for a long time. So even Google ads, it's been standard. Things are changing there very quickly. So is the technology. Do you have favorite technologies that you use across these? You mentioned listings, reputation management, are you using technologies? Are you keeping GMB, all that kind of stuff in spreadsheets by hand? When do you invest in the technology? Technology. I just made a post about that. I'm curious what you think. I think that if you have 10 or more practices, you need to invest in technology and you can get out of, get out of spreadsheets. Yeah. Some of the technology that um, I've used recently that I like, I've worked with Chatmeter, which has been great for reputation management. They've okay. integrated AI to help you with your responses to posts. They also have a component that helps you integrate your GMB, which is handy, and uploading photos. You can do holiday hours. You can do special hours without having to go into all of your individual GMBs to do things. So I found that to be very helpful. And the other piece of technology, and I'll say aside of my PPC agency, because I think Having an agency partner to help you with the stuff that's not in your core skill sets really, really important. Mm-hmm. Like I get the basics of Google Ads, but I don't have the skill set to say I've got the best bidding strategy and content strategy to make those those campaigns effective. So, so I think agency partners are important for things. So for me, it was PPC. And the other thing is to have an agency partner for SEO. Again, yeah. it's, it's kind of ongoing. You usually have a lot of work to do in a short amount of time, but then you have work you need to do as it goes on. So in addition to agencies, the other platform that I just started using recently that I love a lot is a platform called Invoca. It's call tracking software, but they also break it down to it's call tracking. So you know which your keywords are working in your paid search then. Yeah. So, if you have it tied together, which you do, which you have to put in some work to make sure it's tracking all the way through the keywords and then uploading back into the ad platform. You heard it, guys. Cindy says SEO agency, PPC agent. I couldn't agree with her more. And then she gave a very succinct answer. 10 or more locations, you got to start looking at technologies and outside resources. No more spreadsheets and trying to do it. Go it alone. I think that's a very good answer. I have trouble with our video team coming up with an answer. I said, I don't know. Once it's holding you back, that's when you make the investment. But 10 locations in a multi-site provider group makes a lot of sense. So you have I don't know if Pure Dental had a bunch of different, I don't know if they were just GD or peri, or if they did the whole thing, Perio, Endo, and ortho. Like, how do you know what each one of those types of patients wants and the messaging that'll resonate? And I imagine it changes because us millennials, we're aging and we're going to need different things. Like, how do you, do you do focus rooms? Do you talk to the providers? Like, what is changing? What do they care about? How do you gain insights into what patients care about? And in different markets, they care about different stuff. How do you do that? Mm, that's that's a great question. Kind of what's interesting, you know, the pandemic, I would say in some uh, aspects was um, a little bit of a boom to the dental industry because I think people start seeing themselves on camera and they're like, oh, maybe I need my teeth whitened. Oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I, maybe I ought to get them straightened. Yeah. So um, that's funny. Th- while the pandemic was tough for a lot of folks, as soon as the lockdown was ended, you know, practices have all the precautions in place easily. So Pure Dental rebounded very quickly from, from the immediate Good. shutdown. But I think 
you know, this being on screen is making people think about what can I do to change my appearance? You know, now all of a sudden you're not going into an office, you're not worried about your clothes. Then you see yourself on screen, you say, yeah. oh, those are some things I can control and do some things about. So that's, yeah. so that was a piece of it. The other part of it is I think with DSOs and as practices become part of groups, we're going to see the sort of continuum of care that you see in other services. So I, I don't think a general dentist is become, going to become a perio specialist. We see that those practices, the doctor tends to have a skill set and stays with it. I think what you need to do is bring those different practices under your umbrella to be able to offer the services and have sister agreements and say, oh, we have the sister office. Why don't you go here for your perio work? Why don't you go here for your orthodontia? It's yeah. kind of thing. And to make sure you have all those referral systems working, how did you support them? Is it marketing materials like how a big part of, I guess, dental revenue is patient retention and increasing share of care? Did you have marketing programs in place to say, hey, listen, love your GD business. Have you thought about this? Or like, did you know that we have this offer? Did you do anything for reactivations, retention? We just brought someone on here in Cardinal. So I'm looking to learn, like, how did you bring patients back in and educate them? on the other okay. services y'all have. Yeah, we had some software. The software I just finished using was not one of my favorites, so we won't mention them by name. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's basic tools that you can use for email marketing to your existing okay. database. And when we would have doctors who got new skill sets, what we saw a lot with general dentists tend to get certified to do Invisalign, um, the non-metal braces straightening, and, and that's an easier thing. So as you got new services, you do specific email pushes to the data database to say, hey, we've got this service available, thinking that if you're an existing patient of the the practice and want to expand your work, um, you can get involved in those other things. I think the other thing that you need to do is make sure your keywords focus on your services for the work that you're doing. I'm preaching to the choir again when I say this to you, but you know, the first thing everybody does if they move to a new area or they're not happy with their dentist or they want to look for something, they pick up their phone and it's dentist near me or, or whatever that gets punched yeah. in there. So just being relevant in that aspect. And then you can't oversell your services. You can't pretend to be good at something that it's not part of your score. Cool. Yeah, like trying to say the GD is going to be great at Perry. Like you're, you're saying, don't do that. Maybe they acquire, like just get, acquire a separate specialties and then kind of cross selling together in the same area. It's better than just <laughs> up saying Dr. Jim can do it all. Yeah, the other thing is, you kind of separate your hygiene from your dental dentistry work. So then if you have hygienists that have incredible skill sets and know when you need a deep cleaning versus general cleaning, that's really important to have because that's when you go in and they measure and they look at your gum gaps and they do all the numbers. Mm-hmm. That's how they can ascertain whether or not you need a deep cleaning. And, and th- those deep cleanings, not only are good for the patient because it's taken that stuff out of your mouth, there's also revenue in it. So that's why they do the measurements. You can't be suggesting treatment that for somebody with insurance, they're not going to get reimbursed for. It's, It's always doing the right thing and doing the right thing for the patient. But Don't forget about the hygiene side of the house in a dental practice because there's very specific things they can be doing in terms of the efficiency of their schedule and the depth of their skill set to see patients and take care of things. I had never heard that before. So I just learned something new. I didn't know the hygiene. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they can, and they're more likely to spot different things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. Is email the best reactivation? 
tool marketers have to bring patients back in? Is there something as SMS, direct mail, is anything else useful? I would say that email's stronger. Sometimes what, what we tend to do when you're onboarding a new doctor or you're introducing a new doctor to a practice, then we'll use direct mail to help let the community know you're, you're going to have a new doctor in the practice. It does two things. It, it's not so much that I see it bring patients in the door kind of thing because, you know, you'll do a mail or you have a call number. The mail houses can do the tracking. You can quantify how effective that piece is, but it does two things. You create goodwill with your doctors that you're willing to market them and support them and you want to get them in front of the practice. But it's not that you do either or. You do a direct mail piece, an email, and a post a whole suite of social campaigns to help support a new doctor join. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm learning. That's cool. How do you see the DSO space? I went to the ADSO conference, but they wouldn't let me sit in any, any of the panels because I'm a vendor. So that's not fun. So I don't, I, I haven't gotten to hear how the DSO space is going to be evolving in the coming years. Any, is it new technology, new strategies? Is it more consolidation, less platforms from the ground up? You're in the space. It sounds like you get the business really well. Do you see any big changes coming up in 24? I haven't been to a conference to see what the conferences are saying, but I've yeah. got some some friends in the, in the industry as well. And not just because we're in the industry. Ironically, one of my colleagues from the um, post-acute healthcare space is now a CEO of a private equity firm for a DSO. They focus a little bit more on ortho and pediatric dentistry. Okay. And the other DSO model that I'm seeing emerge is one that's more, it's not a membership, but the practices aren't purchased. So it's sort of an agreement to work with a DSO that it's focused on EBITDA and and production and improving margins and all those things. And so it's really sort of the getting ready to sell. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like a rent rent to own or try it, try try the partnership before you buy it. It's interesting because it's in the DSO space, but if you contract and work with these other DSOs, you know that a sale to another entity is is going to be inevitable. And I think it's preparing the doctor to be in a better position to reap the rewards of the business they've built in the in the eventual sale. And getting them a sale for like what the back office support can do for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit more interesting to me just because I know two groups that are doing it. There's another group in Miami that's similar to their model and they have, they're pushing to get to 200 practices where um, my former business associates uh, practice is much smaller. I'm curious about it simply because that's where marketing isn't as easy to leverage as a a back-end support model because the marketing support may be different for every practice. And so personally, I struggle to get my arms around that a little bit more because I don't know how you make those decisions. I guess it's based on the structure of the deal. We'll find out. Maybe one or maybe me or you will get to advise one of these one day. I'll come to you if we okay. ever get one. You see, I, I love that Cindy loves the business of dental as much as marketing. And guys like that, that is something we often lose as marketers. It's like, we are just here to market to make sure patients find care. That's actually not it. You have to love the business that you're in. Why does it make money? How does it make money? How do we stand out? Why are we better than the competing DSOs? Like learning and loving business is the quickest way to become a C-level because you'll understand how marketing impacts it. And that's what every PE firm wants is marketing that impacts the top and bottom line. So I think that's cool how much you know about the dental industry, not 
just marketing. So anyways, that's just, that's no, just well, side. I don't see that all the time. It's cool. No, thanks for that. And I, I would say I'd give credit to the CEOs that I've worked with to do that. We focused on partnering with operations so that I know their headaches, not just coming to marketing to think they're going to get a magic fix. But it's like uh-huh. when somebody says they need more support, it's like, well, what does that mean? What are you doing? What's, yeah. w- what's been done in the past? Yeah. Why do you think That's this is good? Why do you think this is going to work? And And then... When you have some technology in place and you're, when you can look at, you know, one of the first things we looked at when I joined Pure Pure Dental, I looked at our unanswered call rates and I had heart palpitations. Uh, I actually have AFib, so I get that. Yeah. I'm like, we're we're spending this money and the phone's not getting answered. What's going on? So great. You go to the recordings, you read the transcripts. And so then you figure out that there's robocalls that are factored into that. So then we found a way to get the robocalls factored out. So the percentage went down. Uh, My heart palpitations decreased a little bit. (laughs) We still found problem areas. And then you listen to calls and you're like, Well, I can't believe we said that. Yeah. We can't. And you know what? We had a a team meeting or a regional meeting and we played some of those. And every every regional got to hear a disaster in each of their areas. So it was easy to say, hey, guys, we have some training we need to do. We need to work on how we want this to happen because it's affecting the funnel kind of thing. So, you know, the answer isn't throwing more money at another marketing tactic. It's what do you have as a tool that you can look at to see how are things working and what might you... And so people might say, why would marketing be involved in training? Well, it's because we need to have a better customer experience from answering the phone, expect these questions. How are you doing it? Pretend you're smiling. Sound like you really wanted the the phone call to happen, not like they were bothering you by calling to see if they could change their appointment. So have technology to where they could do it online even. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 please. Well, again, post-pandemic, I think we're seeing customers have less patience for things that that don't do well. So they're going to demand flexibility and they're going to demand better customer service. So why can't you book online? If you can connect it, if you can connect the appointment request into your schedule, so it's an actual true real thing, great. But some dental software you can't see into the individual practice schedule level to say, yeah. oh yeah, that's an open spot. No, it's maddening. They're just going to go to a different practice. Like it drives me crazy and there's plenty of good tools. Next Health is one that's specialized in dental mm-hmm. and I think we've gotten them on some other clients. But there's plenty of these things. You mentioned chat meter and a few others like no excuse for bad technology or a bad patient experience these days. And guys, y'all heard it. Cindy will dive in, not, in, not just into the marketing thing. Let's not just fill the funnel. Let's convert patients all the way through and make sure we bring them back in as marketing our job is to drive revenue, not leads. Revenue, not leads. The revenue can come from net new, but it also can come from converting more of the net new. It also can come from bringing back the existings uh, for more care. So let's look at the whole continuum. Let's care about the business. If you don't know what the business result is, start there, meet with the C-levels in your boss and say, what do we really care about? Like I can get SEO, PPC. That's the easy part. What are we really trying to do? That's where Cindy starts. See, she's got an MBA. She's fancy. So she gets how to do the business side. Cindy, I could go on forever. Usually these are 12 minutes. We've gone almost half an hour. So I appreciate it. We've got a great conference coming up later this year called Scaling Up just for performance marketers and healthcare. So I'd love to invite you to that. Potentially you can speak. 
and help us out. I love the business side that you understand. We have a dental panel too, so we'll talk later. But thank you, Cindy, for joining us on Ignite. This will be cool. We're going to promote to the country every DSO marketer, every healthcare marketer needs to hear how much you care about the business. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.